Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Creative. We've got a special episode today. We've got Jonah Hell with yeah. us today. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out, Jonah. Now, um, we also have a very special guest. We're going to bring him on for about 10, 15 minutes in the very beginning. A gentleman named Zach Pate. He's going to be talking about a 12-unit deal he did on Creative Finance, how he bought it with no money out of pocket. By the way, guys, we are in a, kind of a newer studio that I'm not normally in. Please let me know if you, you guys have any lag issues or if anything bad is going on. It seems like we should be okay, but just let us know. If you can hear us, you can see us, you can smell us, please let us know. Thank you so much. Jonah Corchin uh, is going to be hanging out with me for the whole entire episode, an hour and a half. Let's go. And uh, Jonah is not only a student of mine, he's a mastermind student of mine. And also, um, I'm trying to partner with him on some things, but he's being hard. He's being hard-headed <laughs> on some stuff. So, um, All right. Let's get this started. We're going to bring on. Um, oh, great. Thank you so much. Hear and see you. Guys, are we laggy? Or are we good? Everything good? New studio, this kind of stuff happens. All right, cool. Rod Carp says we can smell, we can smell you. Awesome. Mr. Zach Pate, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How you guys doing? Oh, we're crushing it, brother. Um, so, Zach, here's what I'm gonna do. This you are the last person for January. We had a weird January because I was traveling around so much. You're the last person for January that we are going to allow to come into the uh, contest for January. First place is $5,000. Second place is $2,000. Third place is $1,000. Out of my YouTube income, we're going to be giving away to the most creative investor from January. And Zach, you have a deal that you bought a 12 unit, I believe, on creative finance. Actually, you used the Morby method specifically, and I think you got paid to buy the deal on a Morby method. And so I'm going to give you uninterrupted I might ask a question or two. Jonah might ask a question or two. Uninterrupted, seven minutes to tell us the deal. And then next week, we are going to vote on who had the most creative deal for January. I know we're in February, but guys, forgive me. I was traveling a lot. Um, Zach, seven minutes starting right now. It's 7.04. I'm going to give you till 7.11 before I interrupt you. Where did the deal come from? How did you get the lead? How did you know is a Morbi method? What were the problems you ran into? Tell me all the things you got seven minutes. Okay, so just to start out, there's a lot that I did not know going into it. Uh, just to kind of set the stage, the week I got this property under contract was the week I joined Sub2. So prior to that, um, I think I found UPACE maybe a month before that. So as far as any type of creative finance knowledge, there was none to begin with. Um, so let's jump into it. How I found this deal was actually from uh, Facebook Marketplace, and it was not listed. The current owner, she was advertising a vacant unit that she had. And something that I'll do that kind of works pretty well in my market is I'll just scan the Facebook Marketplace looking at, um, looking for pictures that, you know, it doesn't look like a property management company took them or professionally taken, kind of blurry and whatnot. And I came across one and saw a picture of the exterior of this building. And I knew exactly where it was. So I sent the owner just a quick message saying, you know, hey, I'm not interested in renting this unit, but more so in purchasing the building. You know, is that something you'd be open to? She replied saying that she was already um, talking to a buyer. So no issues. I let about two to three weeks go by and I follow up with her. And turns out that previous buyer fell through. And she said she was making a couple of renovations. Um, she had one, that vacant unit she was getting ready to turn. So um, 
So that's that's kind of how it. First nugget right there for everybody p- paying attention. First nugget was, even though she had a buyer, Zach Pate followed up with her. That's a first nugget. Write that down. We just got a deal under contract last week, same way. Seller says, I'm already under contract. And we just stayed on top of her for actually about a month, once a week. And we just got the property under contract last week because the buyer fell out. So what what, what and why compelled you to continue to follow up with this lady, even though she was already under contract? Honestly, I've I've heard a million times just from listening to you know you Jamil and Brent that the keys in the follow up and that just kind of stuck in the back of my head. So I already had that deal. I figured you know I'll just let two to three weeks go by. It wasn't on the market, you know, it was still off market. So I said you know the chances are probably good that you know it may fall through. So you know I just sent her that um, follow up Facebook message and she said that you know the previous buyer fell through and I actually have the I was going to show you, but you probably won't be able to see it. The exact message that she responded with after telling me that it was um, that previous buyer fell through. And she said, I'm, I'm wanting to completely sell them. I'm not wanting to get in any type of sticky situation with an investor or anything complicated. They're definitely as is. and I do not have any reason to sell them. So right off the bat, that kind of told me that she probably had, you know, that previous investor was probably kind of, you know, tugging her around or whatnot. So as soon as I found this out, um, I scheduled time to meet her out at the property. And once we got out there, I just listened to her story. And basically her, her father built this 12 unit back in the seventies. They've been in the family this whole time. She was also, she kind of did all the managing for her father. And last year he ended up passing away. So she inherited this building. She thought at first she's you know wanting to take it on herself and continue to do all the managing, but she also had a W2 job. She was a nurse. So about a year into it, she, it just started to become a headache to her, you know, so she was wanting to get rid of it. And so after just listening to her story, we, uh, we just walked all the units and the building was in phenomenal shape as far as, you know, seventies building, they took really good care of it. It was just one of those tired landlord situations. And she did mention, you know, as, as far as the, the rent disparity, all the rents were roughly, you know, $200 below market value. And this may be getting in the weeds as far as multifamily go, but in my market specifically, we tend to float around a a 7% cap rate. So, you know, taking that into consideration, every dollar that I'm able to- 7% cap rate, that's hella good, bro. That's awesome. Yes, yes. And you wouldn't think so. It's it's a Midwest market. I'm in in Indiana, but every dollar that I'm able to go in and raise the NOI, that equates to $15 in value. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, 12 units, $200 $200 below uh, market rent. If I can go in and get those up to market rent, even considering a 90% vacancy rate, that's an extra $26,000 per year. And if I divide that by my 7% cap rate, that's instant $370,000 worth of value. So I knew going into it, it was a great opportunity. And uh, just listening to her story there, she did mention they were owned free and clear. There was no existing you know, loan on the property. And me just joining sub two, I'm thinking, you know, okay, I'm in the sub two, you know, creative finance mentorship. Why not try pitching seller financing? So stumbling all over my words, I really had no idea what I was saying. While I was pitching it to her, she uh, mentioned that she was going to need 40% down. And at the time to me, I did not know the Morby method. So my first instinct is, okay, this is a dead deal. You know, what am I going to do? But I still knew there was a great opportunity in it. So I really don't know what compelled me to do this, but I still went ahead and just went under contract and just pursued it as a normal transaction with me going to the bank, putting 25% down and getting a conventional loan. And basically I just told myself I'd 
figure the rest out as we go. So my, uh, as far as there was plenty of mistakes. There's another nugget right there. That's like the third nugget. Okay. First nugget, follow up, even though the seller's already in contract first, that's first nugget. Second nugget, you, um, realize she was a tired landlord. So people that are like, why would these sellers do these types of transactions is you guys got to write this down, tired landlord. Most of the uh, medium, small multifamily that I'm getting under contract on seller finance is the exact same situation. So great job, Zach. For people that are listening to this, how does this apply to you? Go after tired landlords, people with small multifamily. They can't handle these properties. I promise you, they have no idea what the hell they're doing. Um, Third nugget. You said, I'm going to figure this out as I go. Genius. Absolutely love that. That's like exactly what you need to do to be successful is just doing action when Mm. you really, really don't even know what you're doing. I mean, that's like, that should be put on a shirt. Like that's how you become successful Mm. because if you knew what you were doing, then like instantly without ever even trying, then like it just, you wouldn't, it wouldn't even feel good. Love that. Love that. Great. uh, Great job. Keep going. Sorry. I I don't, I'll give you an extra minute just for this. (laughs) No, now I know. I mean, it it seems like it's all been going good, but there was a lot of mistakes that happened. I'm about to touch on the first one. So as far as writing up the contract and doing all the paperwork, I did not know what a TC was at this time. Like I said, I just got into sub two. So what did I do? I brought in an agent that I used on a previous deal just to handle all the paperwork and, and all that good stuff. So I would, and that'll, you'll, you'll see here in a little bit why that was problematic. Um, so got under contract. I remember the day I got this property under contract, I remember looking at my bank accounts and as far as liquid cash that I had available was $7,000 and running quick numbers, I was going to need about 180 grand to get the transaction closed. So it was, it was not an ideal situation to be in, very uncomfortable, but I think the common theme here is just taking the imperfect action. Um, so about two to three weeks after this, I remember being in a Q&A Zoom in sub two, and the Morby method gets brought up. Pace, he goes on, starts talking about it, describing what it is, and I'm sitting in the back of my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. This is perfect. So I dive into the sub two Zoom vault, that Morby method section, which the vault is unbelievable value. You can't put a monetary value on that. Going through learning, you know, as I'm looking at this Morby method and breaking it all down, I'm like, this is, this is perfect. This is what I need. So I immediately get on the phone with the seller and say, Hey, you know, let's, can we just go out to dinner real quick? You know, I got, I need to tell you something, break this down for you. So we go out to dinner. I bring my iPad with me and we're sitting down and I'm talking to her about this idea. I said, you know, look, it's, you know, I can bring a bank and bring 75% and make sure you get your large down payment. And then, uh, did my camera just go out? It did for a second. Your camera is out for right now. Right now. I just, we just see a Z. Oh, geez. Let's see here for the moment, but you can like keep going on with the deal. If you want, I'll I'll keep talking. That's fine. So I, I, uh, like I said, brought my iPad with me to the dinner. Um, I was trying to just map out, show her all the moving parts that, you know, a Morby method entails. And at this time, I mean, I, when it comes to the Morby method, I don't know any more than she does. So I can just see the glazed look in her face. I tell her, you know, look, I can still get you your, your large down payment. You're wanting of that 40% by bringing this bank in. Um, the only thing is I would need to, you know, sell or finance the remaining 25%. And like I said, she's glazed look. She's sitting there. She's like, okay, this is, you know, I get my 40%, you know, yada, yada, yada. Then 
um, as far as the seller finance portion, I, I then brought that up to her and said, you know, look, would, would you be okay, you know, carrying the remaining 25%? And really the only reason she needed that 40% down was because she had bills that she had to pay as well as she had two kids that she wanted to give chunks of money to for they were, you know, graduating college. So she really needed that, um, that large down payment there. So, and I'm thinking, you know, as I'm going through this with her, once she agrees to this in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, you know, these, these rents are so low. I don't know if this is going to be able to, you know, this property is going to be able to support two payments, you know, one to the bank as well as the, the seller finance person to her. So in the same conversation, I, I kind of relay that message to her and say, look, you know, in an ideal world for me, if, if I got you this large down payment, would you be okay with, you know, me not making any payments for maybe five years and then giving you a balloon payment at that five year mark? And to be honest, I was quite shocking. She was ecstatic with that because she's going to be retiring in five years and she didn't trust herself getting a hundred percent of this property as far as the value and cash up front. So she loved the idea of that. Um, so we went ahead and, and moved forward with that. At the same time, though, I'm in communication with a DSCR lender because with the Morby method, you know, you have to go out and get a, a DSCR lender to bring that 75%. So the DS, DSCR lender, it's not my investor loan who pays recommends. That's really who I wish I would have went through. It was a uh, another sub two student actually who worked for a lender out West and he was a, a loan officer for this company. And I won't name drop his name because he, first of all, he didn't want me to. And as well as it wasn't, uh, no, I don't have the tape. Sorry. That was my daughter. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the DSCR lender, um, brought them in. He was mentioning it to, and this is another huge lesson compared to when I'm looking at loan officers to the underwriting team that I learned very quickly. Um, Pace, I know you were a loan officer, which you might be able to touch on this, but from what I learned through this process is those, you know, the loan officers, they're basically just salesmen for the banks. When it comes to, you know, making the final decisions, it's all the underwriters. You guys still there? We lost you for we lost you for like 30 40 seconds. You talked about okay. how I was a loan officer for a little bit and then I, we then we lost you. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, so since uh so since the first time I opened escrow, you know, the transaction changed a little bit. I started out, you know, with just a normal cash transaction, it's kind of transitioned into the Morby method. So at this point, once I had the seller agree to the Morby method, I had to go back to the previous title company and, you know, switch it around and tell them exactly what we were doing as far as the Morby method and with the escrow holdback and all those components to it. And when I did this, they, they just completely shut it down. They wanted nothing to do with it. And keep in mind, I had the agent still involved at this time and trying to explain the Morby method to him. He had no idea what was going on. So he was not much help either. So I knew I had to go to a different title company. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I went to a, a new title company, tried mapping out the Morby method, still the same issue. I was having trouble getting them understanding, which, you know, at this time, I myself couldn't even understand it. So 
what did I do? I, I actually reached out to Caleb Christopher, who's a TC and sub two, and that he was great guy. Was I the, love Caleb Christopher. He's awesome. Oh man, he was like the backbone through the rest of this transaction. I scheduled a, mm-hmm. a consultation with him. We sat down, went over you know exactly my situation. He looked at the deal and said, you know, okay, this works. So he, myself, and the title company all got on the Zoom call. Caleb really helped you know elaborate on the deal and shed some light onto it and ultimately ended in the title company saying, okay, yeah, no problem. We can go ahead and do this. So Caleb can you was tell excellent. us, could you quickly tell us what Caleb told the agent? Because I, that that's what I do. That's my specialty is agent outreach. So like, I'm really curious right now, like how did you, how did Christopher, how did you explain like the Morby method to an agent? Like, how did you, how did you have that conversation? Honestly, we, we really did not. We kind of just, I kind of just told the the agent to take a back seat because he had no idea as far as creative finance. I mean, we kind of went over it with him briefly, but he was still clueless. So as far as the zoom call, we were dealing, you know, directly with the title company, um, which, you know, telling the agent to take a back seat. I don't know if that was the best course of action there, but um, that's what I did as far as the agent. Um, So at, at the same time, even though the seller, you know, agreed to seller finance, seller finance that twenty five percent down payment, that money still had to be brought to the table, you know, to satisfy the DSCR lender. So I was still needing to find, you know, one hundred and eighty grand to bring to closing, just so we could close escrow. And again, you know, leaning on the sub two community, I now get in touch with Victor the connector inside sub two. He's incredible. He's you know a connector, so his main job is you know he connects. Maybe, you know, someone purchasing a deal with someone else who, you know, has private money to lend and combines the two. And I'm not joking, within 24 hours of reaching out to Victor, I had five to seven different private money lenders reaching out to me wanting to do the transactional funding or the, the, you know, the Gator lending for the specific deal. And it was just unbelievable. And that, that Gator lender actually ended up being someone from the Astro Flipping community. Her name's Laura, and she was excellent she was awesome to work with so you know once again leaning on another sub two community which brought in an astro student so really the gist of it there is just you know team collaboration no way i would have been able to get this far without you know a a team behind me so now we're moving forward we're about four weeks out from closing and another problem arises the uh, dscr lender they request bank statements to show that I had the funds inside my LLC bank account. And obviously the, the Gator lender here, uh, you guys know as well as I do, they're not going to wire those funds into my business account as they should not. That's a huge no-no that Pace preaches. So once again, me, Caleb, and the underwriter from the bank all get on a Zoom call and Caleb does a flawless job basically saying, hey, you know, can we just bring this Gator lender into my LLC as a 1% owner to, you know, satisfy this and have the um, the Gator lender show the bank statement in their bank just to satisfy this requirement. And then, you know, post-closing, we would have a buyout agreement stating, you know, once I send the funds back to the, the Gator lender plus their fee, that would be our buyout agreement. And again, that was Caleb's idea and it worked flawlessly at you know, the underwriter agreed to that. So that problem was erased and we were now moving forward again. Um, now we're about three weeks from closing. Now I'll get a call from the title company. They say they can no longer do the escrow holdback with the funds and they're not comfortable with the transaction at all. 
to be honest with you, I don't know what changed. They uh, would not very, you know, elaborated on all, but they just said they they just did not want any part of it. So now let, let me let me jump in here for let me jump in here for just a second. So a couple of things. You're 11 minutes overdue, which is fine. It's it's been good. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep it going, which is great. Couple of things. So Nick in Nashville says, "Why didn't he go through the transaction coordinator that Pace endorses? Doesn't she take care of all this?" Nick, we have a couple of hundred transaction coordinators in the sub two community. One of them being Caleb. Caleb didn't know creative finance before he came into sub two. Caleb didn't know how to do transaction coordination before he came into sub two. Caleb was there as I was creating the Morby method with Sean St. Clair. So Caleb runs a Saturday transaction coordination every, um, every Saturday, obviously runs that every single Saturday, two hours, every single Saturday morning, teaching other transaction coordinators how to do transaction coordination. He was there side by side with me on all the Zooms with Sean St. Clair, where we created the way to get a seller or get a gator or get somebody on your LLC as a partner to get through all of these types of things. So he obviously knows all these things. If I tell all of my community to use one transaction coordination company, the whole entire thing would implode. They'd explode. Like they wouldn't be able to handle it. There's like, too many it's, deals. It's impossible. It's, it's too many. Too many deals. Yeah. So um, that's the answer to that, Nick. Keep uh, keep going, Zach. Sorry about that. I just want to make sure I covered that for everybody. Got it. Got it. Thank you. So that uh, that second title company, they just completely backed out. So on to the next title company. I call a third one, and strangely enough, another they- nugget. By the way, guys. Okay, another nugget right there because so many people will go, oh my gosh, my title company said do, 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 do. that's how you know you're not meant to be a real estate investor. Do you ever meet with title companies that don't want to do regular wholesale transactions? Oh my God, man. Like I literally, literally until maybe two months ago, I finally found, I had been like searching for a title company in California that was mm-hmm. willing to do a double close, like wow. the actual way. Like I've literally was just going through it. I found one, then they like said, and then they said like during an escrow, they wouldn't do it. Then I just like freaking like had to keep looking. And then finally I had one who told me they could do it and actually performed on a transaction. So like, just don't, if someone says like, oh, that's illegal in this state, it's almost always not true. Like almost every state you can do everything. You just have to find the right person. Right, 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 right. Keep, keep going, Zach. Sorry. We want to make sure we covered that for everybody. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, then call the third title company. And strangely enough, they know exactly what, even with me explaining it, just myself, they understood exactly, you know, how the transaction works, you know, with the escrow holdback and sending the money in all different directions. They knew exactly how it worked and said, yeah, let's go ahead and get this done. So like you guys touched on, big lesson there, you know, make sure the title company that you're dealing with is familiar with creative finance strategies and they know, you know, all the moving parts and what's going on. So got that resolved four days before closing driving home from the Springfield, Illinois meetup pace that, that you had down there. And I get a call from the DNC. Do you remember what you had for lunch? That was the biggest bill I had ever received for a small meetup. Yeah. What'd you order? I actually didn't eat anything. What the heck, bro? I know. I know. But Hey, that was a great show out. We had, yeah, that was, I was actually surprised. I was like, how did we get like 60, 70 people to show up to Springfield, Illinois? Yeah, that was. That how was far away were you? Three and a half hours. Wow. You badass. That's crazy. <laughs> I couldn't pass up the opportunity. All right. So, uh, yeah, like I said, driving home from that meetup, I get a call from the, the DSCR lender. And basically they say, 
they are not okay with any type of second lien position and they can no longer fund the deal. Now, if you remember when we first brought them in, you know, they were, they understood all the moving parts and were totally okay with it. So at this time, I mean, I, I don't know what to do. I, I call the seller and explain, you know, what's going on, what the lender said. And she's basically, you know, she's fed up. She's ready to walk away at this point. She just wants to get the property out from underneath her. So by the end of the conversation, she agrees not to have our promissory note secured to the property in any way. So, which was kind of astonishing to me, but it worked. You know, we moved forward. Finally, you know, we we make it to closing day. It was on a Friday, hour before closing, title call saying the lender did not get their funds wired in time. So we basically had to do a dry closing. So we signed all the documents. The transaction just wasn't funded until the the following week. And uh, those are all the problems. Um, following week came, we got the transaction closed and uh, it was a done deal. Okay, so on this deal, you had a lot of problems. A lot of them are really similar problems that you'll run into your entire career. Like these are not problems that you're going to avoid the rest of your whole career, even, even in wholesale. 100%. Fixing and flipping. Everything. Okay, so you'll get DSCR lenders that will give you money for the Burr loan or a Burr strategy deal. Like forget about Morby method. You'll get lenders, DSCR lenders that go, no, 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 I don't want to, you can't put a private money lender on this. Okay. I guess I'll just structure it a different way, which you structured it a different way. It's all about how you structure it. It's all about how the paperwork is done. You did a phenomenal job workshopping all the way through, which is what you have to do. Even to this day, when we run into challenges on a transaction, we go, hmm, I know the deal's not dead. I just don't know what I need to do to overcome this. And bro, Zach, you did such a great job pivoting and continually moving forward, pivoting again, pivoting again, pivoting again. And you learned so much more than just the Morby method. You learned basically that's what like every real estate transaction is ever going to be like. Also, how long have you been in sub G for? You said? Uh, eight months now. That's still like incredible, man. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like even like I've been in sub two for a very, very long time. And like that deal would have been incredibly challenging for me. I would have been like stressing and like trying to figure out like, okay, like how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? So like you did like an incredible job, man. Like most people cannot figure that stuff out. Like Pace was saying, most people just give up as soon as someone puts one roadblock. It's like, can't be done. Yep. They go, oh, the title company said that it, sub two is illegal or double closing is illegal <laughs> or um, uh, you can't assign a contract, right? So like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess everything I learned from all these people, they're doing deals. I guess they were lying to me. Cause this one person that makes $37,000 a year in an escrow off office told me I can't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the most important, you know, concept to take away from that transaction is just the power of community. Because if I was not in sub two and I came across this deal and the seller told me, Hey, I need 40% down. That would have been a dead deal. So, so you, you know, think about working. all the people that are in all their CRMs, all the wholesalers across the country, how many deals a seller says, yeah, I'll do seller finance, but I want 40% down. How many deals do you have in your pipeline right now? I have so many where like, and, and so like my, like I said this earlier, mine's agent outreach and like agents are going crazy with the seller financing. Like yeah, I, yeah. they're starting to actually learn it, which yeah, is yeah. incredible, but they're all giving me like, like the seller would take 50% down and then with a balloon of three years on yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest of it, right? It, it, watch this. Okay. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to see this in a little bit. You're going to see in the next 
12 to 18 months, agents are going to be coming to people going, hey, you can buy this sub two where you pay my commissions and the seller will walk away. Like right. agents are not just a year ago going, what's this? Now they're coming to us with terms. And I'm now saying those terms are horrible. Come back to me in six months. And they're coming back to us. They're coming back to us going, okay, as long as my commissions are paid and the seller walks away with 2000 bucks, we can get the deal done. I'm like, didn't you say six months ago <laughs> that this was illegal? In fact, we had a sub two student do a deal. Um, Carolyn and Myron do a deal nice. in San Angelo, Texas, sub two deal. Mm -hmm. And this, the agent goes, nope, that's illegal. And basically hangs up on them. Okay. Five months later, they're doing the deal with that. Classic. Agent. Yeah, classic. So classic. Agent. Classic mm -hmm. agent. So, Zach, we gave you, um, holy moly, we gave you 27 <laughs> minutes, bro. <laughs> I appreciate the extra time. Bro, what happened to your camera, man? I don't, I don't have no idea. I got it like a month ago, so I'm having all sorts of technical difficulties over here. Okay, uh, Zach, here's what I want to do. I want you I want you and I to just do a YouTube video where we talk about this for 45 minutes, just me and you. Get your camera figured out and reach out to Carly, and Carly will put you on my calendar for just talking about this one deal. Perfect. Awesome. Appreciate the opportunity. Zach, how can people reach out to you? I see, I see your name um, is, on Instagram is at Zach Pate, or Zach D. Pate. Yes, that's uh, Instagram is the best way. I'm most active there, so shoot me a DM, and uh, let's see if we can work together. Let me know how I can help you. Zach D. Pate, guys. Check him out. Great job, Zach. We're going to do a vote on all the deals that were submitted for January. I'm going to consider this part for January. Next week, last week of February, it, I'm going to have four deals submitted in one day to finalize for February because I'm a little bit behind, but we'll get it caught up. So thank you, Zach. You're the freaking man, bro. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You did amazing on that deal, by the way. Yes. 100%. Thanks, Jonah. All right. Woo. Good stuff. Hey. Good stuff. All right, guys. Um, I'm here with Jonah Corchin. He's here for Jamil's Mastermind. How was it? It was good. It was fun. We well, learned a lot. Well, tell me something. Lot. You were talking about it when we came in here. What What's one of the things that you learned the most? Um, I mean, it was just for me, because I'm just so in it all the time, it's things that I already knew that like just needed to be told to me over again type yeah. of thing, you yeah. know? Like sometimes you just need to be somewhere and like hear what you already knew over again and right. just like hear it one more time. So like for instance, one of the things that like I was just like really liked was we had um, Stormy Wellington come like mm. the first day and it just so reminded me of when we did, when I went to your mastermind and we talked about social media and like the power of social media, right? And like since then, I've been doing my podcast and like been hired a social media manager, doing like reels and doing all that stuff. But it was cool like rehearing it and then like being the guy in the room who's like, well, like I'm already at least I'm not like obviously even close to that level, but like we're going to be I'm just way more ahead of than everybody else in here because I listened to you a year ago about it. Yeah. And now I'm doing a challenge where like you guys, if, for anyone who follows me on Instagram, just Jonah Corchin, like I'm going to be doing a challenge where it's six posts a day. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be wild. Like I'm just going to go like that's the challenge and like a parent and like according to um, Stormy and Jamil, like they're basically going to shout us out whoever wins, like whoever wins, like actually sticking with it mm -hmm. on like their Instagrams. And like obviously Jamil has hundreds of thousands of followers. Uh, Stormy has like a million four hundred. So I'm like, OK, I'm 100 percent doing it right. Like, right. like I'm going to I'm going to win. John Galan, sorry, I'm going to win. Like I'm just it is what it is. Right. So um, it was just things like that. Like 
learning like the newest methods of agent outreach. I know a lot of them, but like hearing interesting things like, um, like Jamil like is more prone right now to doing, having the agent get both sides of the commission while like maybe like a year ago, he felt more that they were getting more deals by like, um, waving buyer side commission. Right. And hearing that and being like, okay, then like I'll switch that too. Right. Because I can just copycat whatever Jamil says, you know? Right. So just little things like that, little tweaks, meeting new Astro students, the up and coming stars is really cool too. Like I still, I still sometimes go into Q and A's, but it's kind of hard because I'm so busy with all the stuff that I'm doing. Like you probably notice I don't come on Q and A's yeah, as yeah. much yeah, because like, I, I got you. like all sorts of stuff going on now, which is a good thing. But yeah, which it's is a good the, thing. It's the natural evolution of what it's supposed to be. I tell every, every all the sub two students, I go, look, I don't care how long you're in sub two, five years, seven years, 10 years, mm -hmm. you should be coming into one zoom a week for nothing more than to stay connected to some of the people that are rising. Right. And there's a lot of people come into sub two and go, I want to lend money. Hey, I've got a deal I need help with. And you, you don't need to be in there five hours a week. You know, right. you come in for an hour on Q and a night and you go, Hey guys, I'm Jonah. Just so you know, I've been here two years. Anybody needs help. Here's the three things I can help you with. And then you do that. You post that a couple of different times. You, you know, in the side chat and you stay relevant and you stay in the, in the world. I had uh, Michael Frankie mastermind student, same thing as what you're, you're talking about. He's actually pretty good on social media in his little local market. People know who he is, which mm -hmm. is great. But he says, he goes, I, I just talked to one of the other sub two students that has done a good job of just coming into your Q and a once a week. Mm -hmm. Right. And we have 25 other zooms private to sub two students every week, but the one that I run on sub two family night or my creative one on Saturday morning or some of my random like bonus ones. He goes, man, I talked to this other student who made $1.8 million just coming in one day a week on Saturdays. I mean, it, I in mean, six months it is in six months. That's crazy. In six months. And so you look at the ability to, you know, look at Zach Pate. He's like, it all came down to the power of community. So for me, Anybody that is in sub two or Astro, do not forget that you guys should be coming in to those communities once a week, well past your two-year mark, your three-year mark, your four-year mark. Come come in once a week, make it as regimented as going to the gym or eating healthy or taking your wife on a date. Come in, connect with the community, remind people, hey, I've been here three years. I'm here. I'm off doing deals. If you guys need help, I have a filter. Like I'm not just going to answer a question that Pace has already answered in the vault, but um. I will tell you to go to the vault, but here's the three things that I, I'm looking for. I'm looking for private money lenders. I'm looking for an acquisition person. If you're good with operations, I'm hiring for this specific role. Whatever those things are, which actually are three things that you probably need, yep. um, you should be doing all of that stuff. So yeah, um, social media. Yeah. Can I say also really quick, like that's why you know me, is that I, you know this, especially at the beginning, I came into every zoom and yeah and you always hand. ask every question. single yeah. one like i'm not kidding guys it's when like i was new and just starting off like that is exactly what i did constantly was just i would go in i would raise my hand and i would ask pace it's like all right here's what i'm dealing with today and pace would very patiently like go through it tell like an f-150 story you know like i, I have a joke that you own like you secretly own like 150 f-150s yes. over your I'm lifetimes buying, I'm over buying creative one right now. financing yeah. right but um it is 100 like connecting with the community that makes your success just so super drive right like it's 
the communities like sub two is so amazing guys that you can just get everything you would ever need in your business at any point. My social media manager is in sub two, right? Yep. Like my, um, my frequent acquisition managers from sub two, like everybody, like so many resources, so much that I can, that you can just utilize is like, literally you could probably make hundreds of thousands of dollars just connecting dots of different people who don't know each other in sub two. It's like insane. Like I I'm yeah. doing that with a few things right now. It's here's my biggest challenge with what I'm doing in sub two is that I'm, I'm slowly phasing into, um, phase six of my 26 phase plan. Whoa. Okay. You got a 26 phase plan. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm in phase six right now. Oh, I'm just starting phase six. Damn. Yeah. So phase, phase 26 become God. I'm just curious. Yeah, everybody, everybody <laughs> becomes, everybody becomes a God. Yeah. Um, so what, it, what the plan is for phase six is now I'm going to, I'm going to unveil other students who are, have mastered specific niches <coughs> and each of those niches is, is going to become a merit badge to some degree, right? So like agent outreach. So somebody will come to your agent outreach call on Friday and actually earn a merit batch, right? Right. Like, oh my gosh, I've been through 12 of these. Here's the syllabus. I'm actually going to take mm. this as a mini class. I'm going to get a merit badge and go, I've, cool. I've gotten to tier one of agent outreach. Do I get to, do I get to be the one who gives out of the course. merit badges? Yes, oh, of course. It. This is what I'm trying to do. Love so love it. Kevin Cho and Chris, uh, Chris Jean Baptiste are going to do, um, they're going to do expired listing merit badge. Mm. We're going to have Josh Norbert and Christian Hernandez do foreclosures merit badge. Classic. We're going to have um, Dan Quijano do basic sales training um, merit badge, a mm -hmm. boot camp, sales boot camp merit badge. Right. And my wife is going to do a merit badge on how to stop foreclosures. Love I'm going to then go back to all the previous mini courses that I've done, like raising capital, corporate structure, partnerships, how to JV, how to, all the things that we've done and taught, lease options, sub twos, wraps. So I have somebody um, that I've been doing wraps with in Texas over the last several several years they just joined sub two three months ago and they were like, yo, I've done a thousand wraps. How do I, how do I help this, the community? Right. They're going to come in once a week and do a wrap series every single week in sub two where they actually just work on people's wraps like live. I'm done with the education. Right. No more education on any of the bonus zooms. Everything is going to be implementation. So yeah. like Chris and Chris and um, Kevin Cho are going to be calling foreclosures live. Right. I'm sorry. Expired listings. Right. Um, Christian Hernandez is going to be calling foreclosures live. Mm -hmm. You, I want you to be doing calling what we agents. talked about beforehand, okay. before the, the thing. Okay. I want you to be doing that live, whether it's you or maybe one of your acquisition people or whatever it is. Gotcha. I don't care. I want less information, way more implementation. So people are going, oh my gosh, they're doing it. Like right now, they're doing it live. I'm just going to do it side by side. Yeah. So a lot more side by side stuff. So it will be so overwhelming how many things are going to be going on inside of sub two. I also have Bo that I just hired. He's uh, an employee that we're paying 30 grand a month to right now that he will ultimately become um, the guy who gives everybody the cash for single family and multifamily certification for underwriting. So that'll be an underwriting merit badge. It's for an underwriting merit badge. Okay. Underwriting merit badge for single family and multifamily. So two different ones for cash and there'll be another um, merit badge for are we going to get Boy Scout suits as well? Uh, bro, sub sub so. two Boy Scout uh, suits? hundred percent. That'd be pretty I fun. So. I hope so because a Scout is, <laughs> a Boy Scout is trustworthy, honest. What is it? A, a Scout is. I was a Cub Scout like 
way too long ago and i was only it for one year oh you were yeah and like, but you were a wee blow i just like remember a... i just remember like being like why the hell don't we get the cookies you know like i love the girl scout cookies these things oh, taste so oh, good also i was like i want to sell stuff you know and make some like i guess they don't make money but i guess it all goes to charity but i remember thinking like what if i made cookies mm. you know because <laughs> these cookies are good i don't know if i can make them as good but i so would like to sell them Mar marlene says when is this happening so marlene here's when it here's when it's happening okay it's already happening, okay? Um, oh, I guess it hasn't happened last week. Kevin Cho and Chris are going to be doing this on Monday. Christian Hernandez is going to be doing his on Tuesday. Jonah does his on Fridays. I don't mm -hmm. know if he, you're doing yours on Friday. Yeah, week. Friday, Friday, 1 p.m. You took like a month and a half off because you were working with Cody on some stuff? Yeah, like me, like, I, like you've got your course or whatever. That was another like, merit badge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was working on Cody with some stuff and like, yeah, like it also like I was seeing a few changes with like agents in general and I kind of wanted to take a pause to be like, okay, I want to like recollect, maybe do like a scorch method, like the scorch method right now, guys. So for if you're in sub two, there's something called the scorch method right now in Kajabi. That's just me going from zero, like knowing nothing about agents all the way to my business now, basically, right? Like you can cre recreate my business from that course, just from that, right? Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted like a moment to like reflect like, okay, where am I going to go? Like we've gotten to the point where like, you're probably going to get, be able to create the entire business at this point. And I just wanted to create some things that might like smooth line other things and like answer other questions. Like the last scorch method, for instance, just ended with like people constantly asking me that's like, okay, but like, where are you getting your POFs? I'm like, all right, screw this. This might not have to do with agents, but like, I want to just get a $2 million POF in front of you guys. Cause I'm losing it with you people. Like it is not hard to get a POF. You think you, th people think that my job is really easy. You guys think my job is easy, but then when you have to sit there and answer questions for an hour, two hours, you're just like, how the freak does pace answer the same question a thousand times? Your job, your job is nobody thinks it's easy, but like it also is very frustrating when it's something like, did you, like I just know you didn't even try. They didn't. There's try. no chance you actually even tried to get a POF. Mm -hmm. What you did is you got a POF from whoever's giving out. I think like Abraham is right now giving out POFs. Like maybe I think you were giving out POFs for a while. I have a POF. No, no, no. I have a POF in the announcement section in our Facebook group. Right with a credibility video right. of me logging into my $3 million <laughs> bank account and saying, hi, my name is Pace Morby. If somebody sent you this video, it means they're my partner. Here's me actually typing in my password into my actual bank account, as you can see, and it doesn't have a date on it anywhere, Right. but it's me live logging into my, right. my bank account and people go, hey, Pace, um, where can I get a, cred a credibility email and a proof of funds? I was like, have you checked the announcements in Facebook? But honestly, they shouldn't be going to you. You guys, I, my business, I mainly wholesale. I've done a few flips and I own a few rentals and stuff like that. But you as someone who's never done a flip, never done a buy and hold can 100% get a POF for $2 million. I have such a good relationship with this one hard money lender who I have never closed a house with ever. I've never actually bought a house. He knows that I'm using his POF to wholesale. He's cool with it because what did I do, guys? I offered value. What I did was, hey, I've got a buyer's list of 4,000 cash buyers in San Francisco and Sacramento. What if I say, put a little thing that says like need private funding or whatever. It's going to have your email. You're going to get hit up anytime they ever need funding. You're going to be their guy. 
And if all I would need in return for that is a POF of $2 million. And then recently, I have this deal right now that I got under contract that was $3 million. And I just called him and was like, hey, man, can you just increase this a million dollars? He's like, sure, bro, no worries, right? And like, that's why it just blows my mind of like, you guys, if you only called one person, then call another, call 20, call 50, like Pace, how many hard money lenders do you think there are? Like hundreds? Okay, so I did. I actually did this challenge like two years ago where I said, let's see how fast I can find a hard money lender mm -hmm. that will give me 100% of my purchase. Mm -hmm. It was literally three phone calls is all it took. Right. And so I do it in three. Did you use it with your credibility though? No, no, no. You I, were just I, like, no Tim idea Smith. who I am. My name's Tim Smith. Okay, nice. By the way, this is, this is on YouTube, right? <laughs> I wanna, so I'm going to watch it. I have, a YouTube, I have a YouTube video that this is, I, I did this on YouTube. So I go do this and then somebody in the challenge goes, okay, but I've called three and I haven't found one yet. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, almost need to, I almost need to fail 50 times and succeed on the 51st time to show people that that's probably the expectation. Right. Because if people go, oh, well, you did it in three, that means I have to do it in three. That They just, in their mind, people have been so um, trained by their nine to five environment right. that they're just, I'm waiting for you to tell me literally what to do right. all the time and tell me exactly what to do. And then not only that, but tell me what not to do, who not to talk to, what department not to walk over right. to, who not to disrupt, who not, 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 not. And then I know exactly what my job is. Guys, right. that behavior pays you 40 grand a year, 60 right. grand a year, 80 grand a year, 120 grand a year if you're freaking lucky. You have to be resourceful and go out and do these things. So it is very, very challenging mm -hmm. when something that seems so simple and easy to us. But here's, here's do you want to know why I'm so patient? Sure. There's, Tell me. Truly, this is why I'm, I'm so patient. Because I have a great memory. Hmm. Okay, why, is, why does that allow me to be patient? You can remember everything they said at the beginning. I can remember how it felt to ask that question for the first time. Hmm. Okay. I can remember how I felt being the person that's asking me for the proof of funds. Right. I remember the feeling. I remember where I was standing. That's true. I remember how resourceless I felt. I felt... Um, lack of skill. I felt like I was just hitting a wall all the time. And so when people say, Pace, you're so patient, I'm like, no, no, no. I have a good memory. Mm -hmm. I remember the feeling I had not knowing the answer to everything. And That's it's, a, good a, it's point. a horrible feeling. I need to do that more. I need to like connect with that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I won't lie. I get impatient. Like sometimes I'm not like yelling at people, like, at, like I'm not just screaming at people at these Zooms, but like 100%. It is hard because it's been so long mm -hmm. since that was an issue for me. Like that's literally been, I figured that out. I think I figured that out before I'd ever done a deal because out of necessity, right? Because yeah. I don't think you, I don't know, like, because like I've been in sub two for a while. So like, I don't think you were giving out POFs yet. I don't know. But like, I was, I, I had a I resource. Remember. I had a resource that was giving out POFs and I was giving out POFs, but people, it wasn't a big issue up until like six months into the mentorship. Right. Either way, like I just kind of like, I remember I just kind of like, okay, who has money? I'm going to call one of my buyers. I asked my buyer if I could get a POF. He says no, but he was just going to put me in contact with his hard money lender and say like, hey, he's with me. Give him a POF, which is also just another easy way. If you have a trusted cash buyer, then 
you just get a referral and then they immediately trust you. And then you have a $2 million PLF, which that's a way where you do it. And you don't have to call anyone more than like once because you have someone who's done deals with them and then you're referred over and then you don't have to go through the cold calling process. I'm going to do the cold calling process just because I would, I don't want an excuse. Yeah. I don't want an excuse of, I don't know any cash buyers, Jonah. I haven't gone that far yet. Even, right. even though that's like an even easier way where like, if you have someone who's like a cash buyer, just have a, 10 minute conversation being like, Hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's the value I'm going to bring. Like, here's what I need to get it done. And then they like, it's literally just, I think it might be clear communications is also hard at the beginning too. I think that's like a huge part of it. I don't know, but it's, it's, um, it's really tough because what I'll do when I'm teaching people, I have to make everything about a story or else people won't remember it. Mm -hmm. They'll remember the story way longer than they'll remember the technical aspects of it, right? Right. And I have to dumb it down, dumb it down, dumb it down to the point where one two-hour Zoom in sub two is about one topic. Right. And people go, man, you're literally going to talk about one topic for this two hours. I'm like, yeah, because now you can go back and research it. You can push it in 4X, which means now you can watch this whole thing in 30 minutes. Took me two hours, but now it's one topic. You let that absorb now, the other, the other thing is I wish I could just be like in the matrix where you could just download a microchip in people's brains and go, you now know Kung Fu. And, and the thing that I wish I could teach people that would be the most beneficial are the basics of like, what is title and escrow? Mm -hmm. Like this whole conversation about creating notes and how paperwork works and all that kind of stuff. If you understood that, you would understand that you have the ability to do anything in real estate. Mm-hmm. And you feel limitless. Once I understood paperwork, creating notes, um, you know, doing refinances, what the title and escrow companies actually do behind the scenes. Once I understood that, I'd be, I was like, oh my gosh, I can be Willy Wonka. I can create a world that doesn't even exist. It's just as long as it's I can true. write it on a piece of paper. True. And so people just, what happens is they go take these 600, I took a $600 course. Okay. I paid, I paid $600 for somebody else's wholesale course. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is a lot of information. But then I was like, I was watching and I was like, okay, 600 bucks. This information, if utilized properly, is worth a million dollars. Yeah. The problem is a $600 course doesn't have any community or live support that will baby people through the process. Right. We all need to be babied through the process, which reminds me of something that Elena Tang says to me. And she actually said it in front of the whole mastermind. And I was... I was like, God, oh, it's so simple, but it's so true. She says, everybody in here is beating themselves up, calling themselves stupid, calling mm -hmm. themselves this, calling themselves this. Blah, it blah, always blah, comes blah. back to that. Well, it does, but here's what she says. She says, when a little kid is learning how to walk and they fall for the first time, do you say, gosh, dude, you're so stupid? <laughs> no, of course not. No, of course not. Yeah. They're learning how to do something for the first time. Nobody's calling them stupid, but you're encouraging them and you're like clapping. Oh my gosh, this is mm -hmm. so amazing. But when you become an adult, you're like, wow, why haven't I figured what the guys you learn real estate for the first time is more challenging than learning how to, to walk for the first time. So you got to be patient with yourself. You can't call yourself stupid. And definitely when you're learning from somebody, you need to learn from somebody who has the patience of a God. And that's one thing that I'm trying to work on myself is like, I have this in my studio. I have this little thing that reminds me underneath my TV to have, um, be courteous, be kind, 
and, and make sure that I'm reminding myself of the journey I had to go through that took me seven years to have the, basically the balls to just take my first step. Meanwhile, you got guys like Zach Pate because he has resources, a community, he has access to information, but more importantly, you have the information, but you have somebody willing to walk you through that information. He goes, all right, I'm just going to get under contract and see what freaking happens. Dude, I would have never done that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, it's just so it was, it is a blessing to have had you, you basically like to start off, like made it just so much easier to know that like, all right, no matter what, I'm not just going to like get sued randomly. No. And I, you, I, and you I don't can come know back and believe the transaction. Maybe like the escrow officer is right. I don't know if an assignment is right. illegal and if I've never done it the before. The thing is like you, it's not just about me. That's the cool thing about it. I, about two and a half years ago, I started, I started sub two almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. In May, it's coming up on the three year anniversary about two and a half years into it. So, you know, roughly four months afterwards, I go, this I started telling the students, I go, this is not my mentorship. This is our mentorship. And pe- nobody had any idea what I was saying. It was always phase three of the of sub two is that what would happen is you would I would cultivate and find already existing leaders, cultivate other people that weren't leaders yet, and go, you guys will be more important to other students than I will because you'll be geographically located close to them. You'll take them on appointments. Like Carolyn and Myron, new student joins in Dallas like maybe three weeks ago. And Myron's like, hey, I'm driving down to Houston. Who wants to come with me from the sub two community? And he brings a student that had joined maybe two days prior and he goes on a journey. He's like, holy crap, like what other mentorship can you join where you get to go on appointments with other people and connect so quickly? And I'm like, that has always been the vision is being able to be connected to other go-givers, creating a culture and, and a community of other go-givers. And look what you do on Fridays, bro. Like think about how many people you directly impact that I physically don't have the ability to do so. It's really, it, it's fun, dude. I mean, that's when I'm like, I, I, like, I honestly, I so appreciate you so much, like willing to lift me up and to be there because I get texts all the time about like the scorch method and like what I'm doing with like agents and all that type of stuff. And it's such a good feeling when I get those texts. It's like, dude, I did your course. I'm like, I've got 15 offers out. One of them sold. And I'm like, that's amazing, man. Like, thank you for telling me. Like, honestly, guys, if you guys, if anybody's in sub two and freaking is like doing the scorch method, tell me your wins. I want to know that. So like, hard, it's bro. so good. Like, if you got a win from what I did for you, like, please tell me. Don't keep that in the dark, right? Like, this is what you told me which is why I'm doing so much more social media stuff, especially is that it is a freaking sin to be not sharing mm-hmm. what you're doing and what your wins are because you could be helping somebody else. Yes. It's literally when you, cause like I had mindset issues with like social media of just being like, ah, like, I don't know, like I'm not like a social media, blah, 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 whatever. Right. And you told me it's like, no, 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 Jonah, you don't understand you're hurting people right now. You're like actually causing damage. And then once you said that, I'm like, like, I can't like, okay, now I got to do it. If you you look at like Jesus, right? Jesus comes down to the earth. However, you guys want to look at this. He didn't just go. he He didn't just teach thousands of people, millions of people. I'm sure he also went to each one of those individuals and go, all right, now, you know, that now, you know, this go share it with everybody, you know, right? right? Because that is the compound effect of building a community and all those types of things. It's selfish. People don't think of it as selfish, but you're thinking about yourself only like, oh, what what, what will people think of me? 
here's what they'll think of you. They'll think, where the freak were you three years ago, bro? Right. That's what people will think of you. Yeah. The toughest part about social media is that you know you're helping thousands of people when you're on social media, but they don't tell you. Right. They don't tell you. They don't. You'll get more hate messages and things in your Instagram because the haters are the ones that are typing. But the ones, here's the thing. Both haters and doers are both typing and writing something down. The difference is where are they typing it or writing it down? The doers are taking notes, bro. Okay. They're taking notes and they're writing it in their their yellow legal pad going, Jonah said this, Jonah said this, and then they go do the work. The haters are too busy with two thumbs sitting here typing and saying stuff. So what happens is people get self-conscious and they go, oh man, this person said this about this and blah, 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 blah. So you get in your head. You, I don't think you're at a point where you get haters yet, right? I have, I wouldn't say like haters. There's like, you'll get like, a, you'll get like a comment of just like, that's the stupidest vice I've ever heard. Like mm. little ones every once in a while, random people, it doesn't matter. It's like what we were talking, like the mindset issue was like, what is my old life going to think? Mm. My life before real estate, right? Right, right, right. My friends, my family. My, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's like certain people who like, I don't even think they're haters necessarily. Like a lot of them are just more like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. And I'm just thinking to myself, it's just like, have you even made a reel ever? Like you've never done this before. Like like, it's just like, okay, I'm gonna listen to you instead of listening to Pace or Ryan or Jamil. It's like, I'm looking at all these people. It's like, dude, like you're just doing too many like switches and stuff. I'm like, bro, you've never even made one before. (laughs) So (laughs) like the typical person that is a hateful person on social media, here's what they are. They have zero to maybe 15 posts mm-hmm. total. Their account, what do you think, is private or non-private? Private more often. Than Always private. private. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. time I see a hater, they're, pri- they're private because they, right. they don't want people being able to see their shit, mm-hmm. but they just want to criticize your shit. Right. Okay. So they are, they're always uh, private. They never have any sort of influence whatsoever. Right. Then when you do find out, so there was this, oh my gosh, this is so good. There was a guy that was criticizing me in my own free Facebook group, mm-hmm. right? Which is, I look at it as our free Facebook group because I think most of the students make way more money in that free Facebook group than I do myself. But um, that somebody was in there criticizing me and then one of the students goes into his profile and sees like he's, he, the guy criticized me for saying like hell or damn, like I pace your, your profanity is disgusting. You should rethink okay. your morals, blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever. So the student goes into his social media and finds out all the things he's following what is it? Just like naked girls. Oh, just tons like, of naked, everything, yeah, everything. Like gambling, like oh, all everything. that stuff. And, yeah. it, and it's just, it's just so funny. People will, they will broadcast their own perceptions of themselves onto you. Right. Right. Because they're trying to like release this tension they have about themselves. And I wish I knew that earlier. I would have started social media a lot earlier, knowing the demographic of the people that are hateful and realizing also the impact I have. Last night I go to this meetup. Okay. Here's, I'm getting to a point now, this is not me trying to be cocky, but I'm getting to a point now where I'm like, I need, I have to hire security and I have my, I have to have my wife have security. Right. Because what happens is 89 to 95% of the people, not that I know the actual percentage are come up, hug, hug you, go, you changed my life. You changed my life. You changed my life. You changed my life. But then there's like 3% of people that are haters. No, they're not haters. Haters don't show up in person. Okay. Haters will never show up in person. It's 3% of people that will not let 
anybody else talk to you because they're like, I flew three hours to see here. I don't want anybody talking to you. And they'll hoard your, they'll grab my, Damn, that's they'll grab my mm -hmm. children. They'll grab my wife. They'll do all sorts of weird things. So I'm like, man, it's getting to that point. Okay. Well, I can deal with that. Like, that's a good problem to have. I can deal with that. Haters will never show up in person. They'll never show, they'll never broadcast their real opinion anywhere. Um, if they feel like they'll have backlash about it. So like the people that talk bad about like big, big influencers mm -hmm. are like, this person will never even find out because they're so big up here. You'll find in the upper echelons of influence, nobody is talking negatively about each other. I mean, you don't have time for that. Well, first off, you don't have time for it. Second off, you're like, that person could be a future collaborator with yeah. me. He, that, that person, he, she, whoever it is, is somebody that I should be trying to figure out how are you, how did you get to your level and what buttons did you push that I didn't push and da, 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 da. It's always trying to collaborate and the people that are hateful don't do that. They spend all their yeah. time being hateful and, yeah. and victim mentality. So I'm, I'm glad you're, you're starting your social media. I'm proud of you for doing that. Yeah, man. Holy no, moly. Fun. Look at all these co comments. Mark uh, says, get a, get a handgun. You know, that's a, that's a scary thing. I, I always worry about it's a that. a lot. Like if your like kids get it or something, like Bro, it's like, like, it's not worth, that's a lot. If you have a handgun, you're inviting trouble. Yeah. In my opinion, you're like, somebody could grab it from you, whatever. And then somebody in the, I know somebody's going to go there's somebody's a, a gun advocate here <laughs> is going to go, no, because you could get this type of thing and this thing and you lock it up and blah, 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 blah. And there's safety precautions, bro. Here's the best safety precaution. Don't carry a gun. Right. That's the best. I'm a gun advocate. I believe in I believe in people's rights to carry guns, but I'm not about to have a gun anywhere near my children at all. Mm -hmm. um, just because just because that's my personal thing. All right. Um, but I get it. Um, yeah, there you go. Alex says, I thought you always have a gun in your truck. I did. I no longer do. I sold that truck on seller finance. That video is coming out pretty soon. But yeah, I always had a nine millimeter underneath my seat in my truck locked up in a bag underneath the seat that my my children sit on that they can't lift up there's a car seat on top of it. it's actually very challenging to get to but i'm not carrying it around where other human beings are there right like think about getting into my truck unlocking it figuring out where the the gun is removing the car seat lifting the thing up and then unlocking the bag that it's in it's like seven layers i'm not carrying it around it's just there just in case i go to a vacant house and there's because that's I've ran into that. Have you ever ran into that where like homeless people attack you in houses? Well, I don't. I the, the cool thing about agent outreach is like I really don't need to go to the house ever. The agent goes. Oh, out. that's scary. I'm. I think I'm more afraid of agents than I am of homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. Um, I'm from San Francisco, so I'm pretty good with the homeless people at this point. Yeah, um, learn, learn karate. They said. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um. You know, if you want to get people heated, let's talk about the Second Amendment rights. You guys want to get heated? <laughs> we're just going to get political. Oh, people, people already are like dropping. <laughs> we're just comments. going. We're going to politics. All right. Oh, people, people <laughs> are just they love it. The gun, the people, that the people that love guns love talking about guns. True. And Taco Bell and um, and Taco Bell <laughs> and uh, Mountain Dew. Uh, Mountain Dew. What's the what's the Mountain Dew flavor? Asher, what's that flavor? Uh, Baja Fresh. What's it called? Baja Blast. OK, if you. Yeah. You love Taco Bell and Baja Blast if you love a gun. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Mauricio, he's like, I love guns. Just say I love guns and Taco Bell. Say it. Say it. Um, okay. So anyway, Jonah Corchin. My man. Agent. Outreach. Hell yeah. That's your main um, business strategy right mm -hmm. now. What do you like about Agent Outreach? So it's agent cheap. 
It is cheap. There's more. Do you than that. enjoy fighting with agents all day long? I kind of do. It's why do you Why do you assume. not like just talking to sellers directly? I like you. You know, I did direct. I know. I'm trying to. For, I'm trying to get. I'm trying year. to get you. I, hot. I love both. They're both amazing. Like I. I think they're both amazing methods. I love talking to sellers too. Um, if they actually want to talk to me, that's why I like, I would do the wholesaler, like Lonza method type of stuff. If I wanted to do more direct to seller stuff, just because I was just, I like, I don't know. I just would rather not have people swearing at me when I call them. And j that happens with agents still too sometimes, but much yeah. less. Here's, like here's the advantage with agent outreach. You know, the seller is interested in selling the property. Yeah. That's, there are a lot of advantages. I could go into like all of them. I, it would be funny if we had like a direct to seller, direct to agent, like debate almost. But like, I like, I do it with Jamil all the time. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing with direct to agents that's just so good for different. It's, it all depends on your personality in the end. Right. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, I'm actually a really salesy personality. Like, I actually did really well in direct to seller before I did direct to agent. Um, I chose direct to agent just because. I really just chose it just because I don't even know why I chose it. I think it was mainly because it was cheaper. And I was like, I actually had a mind. This is why I had a mindset issue for a while. This was a while ago. I don't know if you remember us talking about it, about spending money. That's something from my childhood where I was always oh, yeah. told, oh, yeah. say like, like save for a rainy day, all of that stuff. So I'm like, okay, why would I like, this is my old thinking. Why would I spend money on marketing get, and I could get money that way, or I could not spend money on marketing and get money that way. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just happened to go down the agent route and I still love talking to sellers. People bring me direct to seller deals. Like I still do them. Like this is funny. Like this is something that I'm going to do on my YouTube channel soon. My dad wants to get into the business from like this whole thing from seeing me do it. And I am going to help him do it. I kind of want to start a direct to seller with him and like, see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Or I might do direct to agent. I'm not sure. It's just weird because then he's like almost my direct competitor in that way. But I want to name it like how I made my dad a millionaire or something yeah. like that. This is like cool future thing. Benefits of agents, though, because that's what we wanted to talk about. Cheap. Um, if you suck at sales, like just if you aren't that personality, it is so much easier because the agent does like the negotiating, right? Like they, they are the ones who are like in the trenches, dealing with emotions, all of that stuff. You just have to tell the agents like, look, this is what I can do. These are the numbers. Here's this, this, and this. It's a much more business to business relationship. Mm -hmm. While direct to seller is like, you know, business to consumer, which is like completely different, right? Um, so I really like it. If you're an integrator and don't have a visionary, I think it's a really good model. If you're broke, it's a really good model because it's free. And, um, I really like it because you still, you have all the benefits, especially for cash wholesaling deals. You have all the benefits of having the control of the contract too, for wholesaling that you get with direct to seller. Um, and you didn't have to pay for the marketing right mm -hmm. now. I can also go into the negatives for me. The negatives are you're dealing now, now you're not only dealing with a seller who doesn't understand creative and you need to explain it's it. Not just, it's them. not just creative. It's also low. I mean, you guys are giving, we, I, you know, I'm a wholesaler as well, right. But you're giving agents offers sometimes 40 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. It forget about creative. People always say agents don't understand creative agents don't understand investing. Right. And when you come to them on a $200,000 listing, you go, I got to buy that for 120. Are they super pumped and excited about that? 
Depends. Depends. Usually not. You have to, you know, you, you gotta, you can't just start it off with that. You of can't course. just give out the price first, but of course. if you did it like that, yeah, they'd be like, get the hell out of here. But you gotta, you, there's a process, right? Like you have to be same as you, creative though. True. People come to me and they say, Oh, well, I don't do work with, I work with my main referral source right now on creative deals is an agent. Yeah. And also just FYI, I do creative deals with agents, guys. Like the reason why I'm on this podcast, eventually we'll talk about the deal that I did it with an agent. Are we going to so, talk about the deal? We I have 21 know. more minutes. Yeah, I mean, do you want to? Yeah. You I'd want me to tell me about, about the deal? I'd love to talk. Okay. About the so deal. hold on. Not right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> three, three more minutes and we'll jump into the deal. <laughs> okay. 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 So we've got, um, uh, here, here's the thing. The smart thing for me. Okay. Here's how I feel about direct-to-seller, direct-to-agent. Direct-to-agent is a long-term business because you can build relationships long-term. That too. I forgot to mention that. However, I'm going to tell you the truth about that because people are going to tell you this. If you take a two-week vacation, a three-week vacation, a four-month vacation, whatever it is, you go, I'm going to slow down for a couple of weeks so I can enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas. The second you let up on an, off an, a, an agent's relationship, you have 85,000 other people texting that same agent going, hey, I'll buy the deal, I'll buy the deal, I'll buy the deal. Whoever, this is my experience, I'm pretty damn good at this. If you pause on agent outreach and following up with your agents, your agents very rarely say, I'm only loyal to this one person. I'll see them at a meetup and they're hanging out with somebody else. I'm like, dude, where's the, you just sold four deals to that person. What the freak? They go, you haven't reached out to me in a month. Right. I thought you were tied up with the other. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my same gosh. With, same with direct to seller though. Right. Oh, like direct to, I know. I know. I'm, okay. Direct to seller is way worse. Right. Direct to seller is one relationship. Right. right. You're getting one deal. True. I'm just saying the positive aspect of everybody, you know, talks about it's harder than it looks. That's for sure. People say, oh, agents will sure. give you deals for the rest of their life. Guys, the failure rate of an agent is ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Okay. 100%. 90% of agents do not make a full time living being a real estate agent. So the conversation of like, I'm just reaching out to any agent. Guys, most agents don't do one deal a year. Sure. Most, most, most. Like, I, I would, I want to Google that and figure that out. But I do know that 90% of agents do not make a full time living off of being a real estate agent. 90%. Okay. And close to that same number, those agents also don't own an investment property. You'd be disgusted if you Googled how many agents actually own their own home and have ever mm -hmm. owned a home in their life. So you've got these people going to school for two weeks. Okay. They're going to school for two weeks. Is that my phone, Asher? What, what is that? Ding. Okay. So you, you've got agents going to school for two weeks and then you guys are reaching out to them as direct to agent. And I'm like, okay, what I love about direct agent is if I can get a very, very small list, I want to work with the top 500 agents in my market. That's it. I'm not going to waste my time with the other people. Now, the argument to that is, well, you don't know when these agents are going to you know, pop a deal and you don't know when these agents are going to be on the rise. You're right, but I also know that they haven't done a deal in the last year. That's a great thing about public data. I can go to a title company and say, show me all your agents that have represented a buy side or a sell side in a real estate transaction. And if I don't reach out to agents and waste my time on any agent that's not doing at least five deals a year, not okay. wasting my time. Interesting. So my list is way smaller. They're actually active and I don't have to coach them on how to comp a property. Most agents do not know how to comp. Their seller sees a price on Zillow, and the agent goes to, guys, I've been to listing appointments, OK? 
Okay. Most of you experienced real estate agents will disagree with me, but you'll remember the first time you did a listing and you'll remember that you listed a property based on what the seller wanted to sell it for rather than coming with an educated opinion and going, seller, I'm not going to list your property because you're out of your mind. This is not the appropriate price. You guys will take a listing knowing it won't sell at a... I'm not willing to have a conversation with those agents. I'm just not. I'm not willing to have, a, it's the same thing with like, I'm not going to, if I'm joining a potato sack race, I'm not going to join as my partner being a two-year-old. I need somebody with grown-up legs. Fair enough. And so I'm, uh, that's the, my biggest problem with agent outreach is that I watch all these people reaching out to thousands and thousands of agents. And I go, guys, knit your list down. Just like when I'm direct to seller, I'm not reaching out to every seller. I'm reaching out to foreclosure, people that are like 30 days 30 days away, their foreclosure is going to happen. I'm not even wasting my time for the most part. We'll touch on agent or sellers in the very beginning on a foreclosure process, but most of our success is the 30 days before they lose their home. Mm -hmm. So why, why wouldn't I just call on that list? So you niche everything down, niche everything down, niche everything down. The, the inexpensive part makes sense. The part about well, I know the seller is wanting to sell because they put it on the market with an agent. They went through the process of sitting down with an agent, writing a, a listing contract, letting somebody take photos. They went through all of that filtering process to say, I'm willing and able to sell my house. I have a plan to move somewhere else. That is one of the greatest filtering mechanisms ever. However, I do both. I do both. We do probably 70% of our stuff is direct to seller. The other 30% is direct to agent. Hmm. Okay. Always. We've always done direct to seller, direct to agent. I didn't know you did that much direct to agent. Yeah, I don't. I, it's an off brand for me. Yeah, it is. It's way off brand True. for me. So Fair I don't talk, it's the same thing. I don't talk a lot, a lot about my cash deals, mm -hmm. but I do a lot of cash deals. Fair enough. I, last, yeah, last year, Cody and I did 20 Burr strategy deals. I don't think I put more than two of them on my YouTube channel. Hmm. I don't talk about them. It's off brand for me and I hate it. I absolutely hate doing Burr. So I don't want to talk about it. Interesting. So, um, but I think direct to agent is a genius strategy. I just think that people need to niche down who they're reaching out to and spend more time talking to agents that are doing five deals or a year or more. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, definitely having the more experienced agents there, 100%, like they actually know what they're doing and that's so much more helpful. The one thing I would say is if you're newer mm -hmm. and you're talking to an experienced oh, agent and ass. you don't have the confidence, it might not be, it's like really not a good idea. That's the only thing of like, you gotta like, this is something that you gotta learn from listening to Pace, Jamil, anybody, me, anyone, is you gotta also understand who he's talking to when he's talking. Because to a newer person, if you don't have the confidence of what you're saying and this agent's like actually like a real estate investor does like 30 been 30 years in the business then yeah you're gonna be eaten alive right like i can handle that because i'll like i'll put them in their place that it's sounds kind bad, of, but what, like, what you're saying is here's what i'm hearing you're saying because it's like with direct to seller you should be if you're brand new and you're like i don't want to be toasted and roasted and i just want to practice all my scripts and mm -hmm. get the words out of my mouth right no i'm gonna fail mm-hmm but not feel like I just wasted a bunch of money, then you should be calling Fizbo's. Yeah. Right? Like call Fizbo's practice. There's people that get deals from Fizbo's. It's a free marketing method, but I'm not wasting my time with Fizbo's because the mindset of a Fizbo seller is a mindset that is like, I don't appreciate anybody doing anything for me. I don't want to delegate anything. And I don't want anybody making money on my property except for me. I want to squeeze out all the profit. However, 
When you're a brand new agent, what do they tell you to do? Call Fizbo's. Right. When you're a brand new agent, they tell you to call and you know, your friends and family and all that kind of stuff. Cut your teeth on, on those types of things. Same thing with agent outreach. When you're brand new, reach out to agents that don't know what you're, it's they're also, doing. It's also just like if they're a newer agent, like even if you have somewhat of an idea what to say, it's you're not going to get the objections right. that you get a lot of the times, right? Because the experienced agents or the are, getting, are getting tons of stuff from me. I know what I'm saying. I sound confident. I know exactly what to say to them to make them realize, no, 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 I'm the man. Like you're going to, this deal is going to go through. I promise you, I know what the hell I'm doing. Right. Well, if you're calling it and you have no idea what ARV stands for, right? Like then you're going to have so much more trouble. Well, like if you're with a new agent, Mm -hmm. they're going to be friendly. They're like, I have any, I I need a listing. Like, okay, maybe, maybe something will happen here. I'll be nice to you. Like, okay. Like, um, like, okay, like what's your criteria? So we're, Amazing. We're, we're saying that this and... is more confidence building than anything else. Yeah, I would say too. And I still get deals from newer agents too, right? Like, it's not like you don't get it, but like 100%, the vast majority of deals I get, I would hundred percent agree are from people who are more experienced, can feel that I'm experienced and like can feel my confidence of like, okay, this guy's not wasting my freaking time. Because like when you go for those experienced agents and like you're struggling so hard to like understand because you got to understand all of these agents are receiving so many calls a day. It's like insane. Like I, they put it out there. Like, yes, like Jamil talks about this, how like, well, look, they put it out there. They put their number out there. It's not like a seller. They can't be like swearing at you. But at the same time, they're still human beings, right, guys? So they're still really annoyed that like they're getting hundreds of calls from wholesalers. Everyone's saying the exact same thing, right? And so like we, we could just go on agent outreach the entire time because I could talk about like how I love differentiating yourself by going through showing your heart. This is like what I did. I actually talked about this the last time I was on your podcast where there's one line that differentiates me from everyone. I don't think Jamil, I think taught me this line, but I've never heard him say it ever since he taught it to me. What's the line? So the line is basically like, let's say we're talking, you're an agent. I'm just me like, hey, Mr. Agent, my name is Jonah. I'm a real estate investor in Northern California. What I do is I solve sellers problems. I don't say it like with an inflection. I say it with like a deflection. I'm like, this is what I do. This is why my company exists. If you ever come across a seller that is a hoarder or is about to be foreclosed on or has tax liens or no equity, whatever it might be, my goal is to be the tool in your tool belt that you use in order to solve that problem and get you your commission. And when you're able to say that confidently to them, you're doing several different things at once. You're A, showing O, this guy knows what he's doing. Your B saying, this guy has heart. He's not just in it for the money. Every single one of you who are calling agents are just like, oh, tell me about the property. Condition, amazing. My offer is 150K. Yeah. Why should they give it to you? They shouldn't. Why do you deserve it? You don't care at all about their problems. No. Not at all. Not a single part of their problem you care about and you don't deserve it. If you're not going in with a go-giving attitude, like, like screw, like you the don't other, deserve. The other I'm thing getting that, goosebumps when I talk about this. The, stuff. the other thing that's really good about this is that you're showing the agent that you have a business model, mm-hmm. and you're you have you have sat, a mission. You have a mission, and you it's like yo, Quiznos came out with toasted buns. They told everybody this is what we do. We do we toast our sandwiches. <laughs> everybody knew that that's where I go to get that one thing. And when you just call agents and waste their time. That's the other thing. Agents, like you said, 
They get a thousand calls. You know what 990 of those calls a day are? People that don't know how to get a deal done. Mm -hmm. Okay. 100%. Nine of them are angry agents who are calling them about listings they have that are upset about a Binzer, an inspection report, a lender, a this, a that. They're getting 90% of the people they actually should be calling are angry calls. That's what an agent's job is. I'm very sorry. You're an agent. I see the top, one of the top agents in the nation is my wife. I listen to the calls she has 12 years straight. I listen to everybody around me that's all these agents. It is hateful calls you guys receive all day long. Being an agent is hard. And so when you call and you're one of the 990 people that don't know how to get a deal done and you don't have a mission and you don't have what Jonah is saying, expect an agent to get off of a phone call with an, a lender that just says, sorry, we're not going to be able to fund this deal today. And then you call them immediately and you go, hi, my name is Tim and I'm calling about the house on 123 Main Street. Can you tell me more about that property? <laughs> oh my gosh. If you're an agent... Uh, you want to reach through that phone and just choke somebody yeah. out. Yeah, guys, it's about looking for the bunnies. Alpace always talks about this, and this may be a good segue to get into the deal, is that this deal that I came on this, that like I want to talk about with Pace, that I want to talk to you guys about, was I found the bunnies not in the seller this time, but in the agent. The agent was the one who had the bunnies. The agent, it wasn't me, it was my act manager, Brian, he's amazing, but he found the bunnies was the agent did not like this seller at all was like, God, I cannot deal with working with you. I hate that I signed this listing agreement. You are impossible to work with, to do anything with whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, he immediately sensed that, yes, the seller had bunnies too. It was a vacant house, vacant house inherited. But the agent also has problems, guys. They're human beings. When the agent has the bunnies, I mean, this was a wild deal. So like, I'm like, I after that one, I've talked to him and been like- This was back ever... when you lived in San Francisco. Uh, I think I remember this deal. Yes. This is well, really you know this deal. Uh, I don't I know, know. Yeah, I know this deal. Yeah. Okay. So you told me this story over a 45 minute conversation. Okay. I don't, you don't really remember? remember. No. I rem tell me the deal. Okay. So you have, it, you just so you know, you have seven minutes till I got to get Asher to bed. So you got, you got seven minutes. Yeah, I can do this. All I right. can be, I can be quick. So here, so basically here's what happens. The agent hates the seller, um, wants to get it done. She also thinks that Wait, they're the agent hates the seller. Uh, yeah. Not the seller hates the agent? No, no, no. The agent is like really fed up with the seller. Oh, they're fed up with the seller. Okay, yeah, got yeah. it. I got it. Yeah. They're like this. How okay, far so into the listing is this? This is pre-marketing. So holy crap. Before on the market. This must be a really horrible seller or a really impatient agent. Yes. Either way. Like either way, I'm like, okay, cool. So amazing, right? She's like, for God's sakes, get it off our hands. Like, what are you going to buy this for? And my... So also a very interesting thing was like there were she thought she didn't even want to do any inspections at all. This is a common area for um, foundation issues, like just it's commonly known ground shifts, all of that type of stuff. So she doesn't do any inspections and tells us there's foundation issues in the Bay Area. That's 100K, right? Like expenses there are really high. So I'm like, all right, Brian. So like go down 100K from like, you know, from a 25K assignment fee, go down like 100K from that. Right. And so he does that. He does what I say. Agents like amazing. I'm just going to do my best to convince the seller to take this deal. Takes the deal. Right. We go there. No foundation issues. Interesting. Right. 
because the agent doesn't know how to tell whether something actually has foundation issues or not. She just knows that's a common area. Wait, hold on. Wait, don't they teach that in, in no? They don't. School? They don't teach foundation they, issues in agent school. Oh, they don't. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. So there's no foundation issues, right? Um. So we're like, holy crap, that's a hundred k. So we assign it for a hundred twenty five thousand dollars, like that. Wow. Right. So like instantly, just because I was solving two problems. We assign it for one hundred twenty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So I think that's like one of the best lessons for most people on this. And then we can get to the creative part too, because there were other hairy things that happened, right? So um, something that happened was our buyer, who I assigned it to, was basically gave us the runaround, like right on the day of. It's like, hey, like my lender's like not doing this. I need to like I need more time or whatever. And the agent hates the seller. The whole point of this was for us to close as soon as possible so that the agent solves like the problem doesn't have to deal with this anymore. So we immediately get hit with a cure period like instantly. Like there's no time. She's like, I have no time to waste. I want out of this like immediately. Right. The agent is the one like pushing everything to go as quickly as possible. I'm like, oh, crap. That's one hundred twenty five thousand dollars that I'm going to lose because my buyers are God dang doesn't know how to get his funding right. Right. Mm, Yeah. 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 Now, luckily me. Being smart, having thought previously, being like, okay, I should have some private money resources yes. for situations like this. where Like if a double I, close. I didn't do a double close. I closed on it. I got private money and was like, this is such a good deal. I'm going to close on it. Guys, I'm living in Colorado. I wasn't, I am not trying to do a rehab in Northern California right now. Like I might start doing rehabs in Colorado, but that wasn't like my plan at the time. So I close on it, but I knew I could find a buyer once I close on it, right? Take the guy's EMD, right? Use it to close on the property. And then also I uh, use the private money. It's really, really expensive because it's, I need it in four days, right? It's like three points. Um, It's like, what was the, what was the amount? It was um, 200. So I was buying it for 275,000. I had to put 10% 10% down, mm-hmm. three points. Um, okay, so you tw- had to pay, you paid three points to the hard money lender or three points to the uh, private money lender? Um, they're kind of like a mix of a private money or hard money lender. Okay, I it, guess they're, they're like a, I would call them a private money lender because they're my friend. Got and it. they have not really a business. They kind of just like, it's like a referral hard money. I don't know how to describe it. Like they're not, they're not my uncle, but they're not like having a business website. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, charge me three points, charge me, um, 10%, which actually wasn't that bad of the interest rate, but then, and then 10% down. Um, and so what I do was like, I'm here, I've got this house. I'm like, you know what? This kind of sucks that I had to put in money into the CEO. I had to pay points. That's going to take out of my assignment fee. Yeah. I got like the EMD to like cover it, but like, what if we just do something that makes more money? Right. So I thought about it and I'm like, you know, I could wrap this. I could wrap it as a hard money loan with the exact same terms to another buyer who I trust, I know, who wanted the deal was just a little bit slower, but I've done a deal with them before. And then I charge, I put on $125,000 on top of that, get three points from that, Mm. get 10% down, get um, a monthly check. I charged him 12% interest. Very smart. Right? And so I'm getting a I'm getting like two thousand five hundred dollars monthly cash flow right now. I made an extra 
I made at the beginning with the points and the down payment and the difference of what I had to pay and what I did an extra 40 K. Wow. Right. I'm making $2,500 every single month until this rehab is done. And then once the rehab's done, I get my, I get the same assignment fee. I get $125,000. So that's great the creative job. deal. Great right? job. Great, right? great, great job. And it's like, it's like, it's, I understand that like some people, I think it's, it's kind of uncommon because I think most people would have been like, all right, I guess I'll just flip it right now. Mm -hmm. But for me in my situation, I was like, I've got, I know I want to keep my eyes on the prize of what I'm doing with expanding my wholesaling network. I'm like starting to get more into creative deals. I've been looking into like multifamily and stuff like that. I'm like, this is going to be a freaking gem that distracts me for six months for an extra hundred K while I could just make it, turn this into a win, make an extra 40 K, make some cash flow, And then like, you know, still get my assignment fee, maybe like five or six months later. I love it. I love it. I, yeah. what I hear is, um, I hear you basically Gator wrestled a couple of private money lenders, used their money to leverage into being the lender yourself. So you wrap their money into somebody else long-term. Did that person end up flipping the house? Yeah, they're flipping the house. Got it. And they're currently doing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Love I'm it. still getting a monthly check. They're, they, I, they're my friend. They're telling me like, yeah, it'll probably be on the market in April. Probably so. May. Love it. Freaking yep. love it. Yep, yep, Genius. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Should I, should I submit this as one of the deals for January or should I have this as part of February? I don't know what, what, what is it? Which one do I win? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Who's, is anyone competing with me in January? Who's like, is anybody better? Oh, there's a bunch of really good ones in January, bro. Okay. Do you know, have you ever heard of that before? Have you ever heard anybody doing that? Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ra you wrapped a hard money loan. Wrapped a hard money loan. Like we'll go to, um, we have a deal, um, or we have a hard money lender here locally. It'll give you a hundred percent purchase price. No points. Nice. So they'll give you, they'll go, what's the purchase price? As long as it's 60% of ARV, they'll give you 100% of the money, including closing costs. Nice. That's dope. So we've done that, I don't know, 20, probably 30 times where we go to our buyers and go, hey, funding's already included, but you got to pay three points and 18% oh, interest. Nice. And so we we get all the points. Nobody in Arizona charges points. That's not a thing in Arizona. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Arizona's anti-point. If you come to me in Arizona and you say, hey, so I'm going to charge you points, I immediately know you're an out-of-state lender. Okay. Okay. So, but like for our newer buyers, we'll go to them and go, Hey, we'll give you all the funding for the purchase price and the closing costs, but you got to pay 3% and 18% interest. So we're making ar an arbitrage on all of that. We're essentially wrapping it. Um, we don't do it as much anymore. I think it's just because we're busy. And also we wholesale a lot less of our deals and right. we keep most everything. Right. Like we're trying to keep everything at this makes point. Makes sense. Makes sense. I freaking, but that's really good. Yeah, First right. off, on the front end, how you handled the situation, how you got a $100,000 deduction. And then also how you were like, oh, my buyer's tripping up. Every, anybody else would have said, this deal's falling apart. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to figure this out creatively. Well, I mean, I won't say, it wasn't like I was cool the entire time. I was like of course. a little bit, but you like, you weren't yeah. just chilling like a cucumber. <laughs> yeah, I like, oh, I got this, you know, 125K, whatever. I'll yeah, but you pause, right? Just like Zach yeah, Pate yeah. said at the beginning, he's like, yeah. you pause in the, that moment. You go, okay, who else in my same exact situation, knowing more than me, what would they do in this situation? And right. pausing and just thinking, what would this person do? I don't know, but what they definitely wouldn't be giving up. And if they weren't giving up, then that means that there's information out there that I should be utilizing. Think, Jonah, 
thing. Even if I didn't have that private money lender, I would have gone to somebody in sub two be like, you want half of $120,000? Oh, yeah, Do you have 250? Like, like I, there, there was no way I was going to let $120,000 go. I would have found someone with money yes. who wants to make 40K on like 250K in like instantly, basically. All if I needed long. to, but I also had a friend who willing to do it with interest, which means Look, I get more Wesley, money, so. Wesley Grant right there says, um, yes, Wesley Grant's one of my private money lenders. Right. I think I have $200,000 of his right now. Woo. Yeah. I think I just paid Julie Burkhart back, but I, I, I want to get her money. I want to get her money working again. Julie, I, sh I should call you. I got a couple of deals. Um, okay. I've got, I've got a flight at seven o'clock. Okay. Flying to Sarasota, Florida, going to Puerto Rico, hanging out with the Nortons, going to Tampa, Florida, speaking at Carl Allen's event. Holy moly. I think a lot of people are, that's all happening in the next seven days. So I'm going to be six flights in six days. It's going to be a lot of fun. Holy damn. It's a lot. So we got a flight at seven o'clock. So I get it cracking. Okay. Um, Jonah, this was great. Love you, dude. Having you hang out. Thank you, man. It's freaking amazing. Dude, I love doing this. Especially it's cool that this worked out where it was in person too. How can, how can people reach out to you? I know that in sub two, you do a, uh, you do a Friday Zoom called the Scorch right. Method every Friday. How can people reach out to you that are non-sub two or non-astro? So best way to reach out to me is on Instagram. Uh, you can look up my name, Jonah Corchin. You'll find me. Um, it's the one with nine, like almost 2,000 followers, not the one with five, right? That's basically it. Um, Jonah underscore Corchin. Um, that's where you can DM me and like I'll like respond very personally there. If you have a deal, cash deal, either in Northern California, so Sacramento, San Francisco, or anywhere in Colorado now, I opened up in Colorado, so nice. Denver or Colorado Springs, cash I do there. I'll do a creative deal, any metro area above 500K population, basically. Love it. As long as it's not in the middle of nowhere. Um, and yeah, I can talk to sellers. I can help you with like agent stuff. Um, you can follow me. You can also see some of the YouTube stuff I'm going, I'm doing. I have a podcast called scorch the fears that's on my YouTube channel that you can just look up my name as well. And, um, yeah, I have TikTok, which is all of them are just my name. If you find me on any social media and just look up my name, Jonah Corchin, you'll find me. There you go. Right. So reach out to me there. We'll do deals. Always need money. Like always want to help you guys out too. Um, if you guys reach out to me. I did this last time I was on. I have like a cool little agent script, like just like how I do my text blast to agents that I'll give to you for free. All you got to do is just hit me up and, you know, follow and, you know, like I'll just give you free agent scripts that you can use that I use, my team uses in order to get 125K assignment Ooh. fees. Ooh, love that. Yep. How can people get that from you? So text, so actually this is a good point. Text me at 510 Seven two six eight six eight four. I can do that. I can say that again too. Five it's seven one, five one zero seven two six seven two six eight six eight four. Um, that that is my work number, and then I have it set up where, like, if you start talking to me about it, I'll instantly send it to you. It's like a little Google Doc, and yeah, you can just get that. Love it, love it. Cooper Cooper Landing says it's clickbait. Love it. Yeah, it is clickbait. <laughs> it is. Yeah, bro. You're, you're a fisher, bro. You can't catch the fish I mean, without it, bait. What yeah, are you talking literally. about, bro? What are you talking about? Literally. Okay, um, guys, give Jonah some love. Go DM him. Take a screenshot of this. Put it on Instagram stories and and tag this boy on here so he can retag it. He's supposed to make six posts on social media every. Oh, I forgot about day. that. Wait, wait, wait. Just real quick. Also, I'm going to do a challenge where I'm posting six times mm -hmm. every single day for the next uh, 90 days. Um, Stormy Wellington challenged all of us at the Astro Mastermind, and I'm going to beat John Galan. So that's it. And I, I believe you'll be. I'll be. I'm going to beat everyone. 
John Galani and you will have a, a a hard time beating each other. It'll be a good race. It'll be good. You already beat Mahmood. I already know he ain't doing it. <laughs> but I'm I'm like it's gonna be. It's I love Mahmood. I just know he ain't gonna be posted on social media. Yeah, I mean, like it's it, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be fun. Um, so yeah. All right, brother. Thank you. Love you, dude. Appreciate you. Yep, yep. Here we go, guys. Have a good week. We'll see you. I'll see Whee! you. Um, Wholesale Hotline tomorrow. I will see you guys uh, get creative next Sunday. I'll be doing that in a live audience out there in Tampa, Florida. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Peace out.